Tonight at Ground Zero Meetings, we're going to continue going through the Bible teachings, and tonight's message is on the book of Nehemiah. Um, <clears throat> many believe that the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah were actually one book, you know, that, but it was placed on two scrolls, so they've made it into two books, but it's really one common thought, you know, as we were discussing last week, you know, about Zerubbabel coming, and they... You know, they established the altar and they started making sacrifices to God. And then Ezra came in and they started rebuilding the temple. You know, and, you know, they were reestablishing Jerusalem, but they were having a lot of issues with the other exiles that were in the area, the other people that were in the area. They weren't happy that they were rebuilding Jerusalem because it was going to take away from. You know, maybe their jobs or, or their ability to make money as, as Jerusalem was rebuilt. Like certain people that weren't part of the remnant, weren't part of the established, you know, people of God that they would be cast aside, you know, because there was mixture that they started, you know, having relationships with the Canaanites and they started worshiping other idols. So even though they were Israelites, there was a lot of mixture, you know, and, you know, and God doesn't necessarily want that he wants us to be as pure as possible that we should not be worshiping idols you know and today we we don't really realize you know it's not like we're got a golden calf in our backyard and we're burning incense to it but there's many different idols in our lives you know the tv can become an idol food can become an idol a relationship can become an idol money can become an idol you know there's many different things and technically, if you were to look through the root system of those idols back into some of the gods that these tribes, the Israelites, were fighting, it's literally the same stuff that they were battling back then that we're battling today. And we just call it Hollywood and we call it media and we call it games and, and, and we call it, you know, many different things that we're not saying that we're worshiping the God of the Canaanites. But yet, you know, there's such an, an abortion problem in this country. So, you know, they would sacrifice their children, you know, and it's, it's similar. Is it the same? Is it the same spirit? I don't know. You have to talk to God about that one. But, you know, as Ezra was a priest, Nehemiah was an Israeli official, but he was in the Persian government. You know, as Jeremiah had prophesied 70 years prior, that I have a purpose and a plan for you, and it is good, right? We all love that, that saying in Jeremiah 29, 11. And he says, but we're going to destroy Jerusalem, and you should go into to Babylon and settle down, establish your family, create businesses, because this is going to go for a ride. And that's what they did. So here is this Israelite that, you know, basically is now in the Persian government. You know, and we need these types of, of jobs today. We need Christians in high-ranking places in, in the government, and we need in the local government, in the in the national government. We need people and teachers and lawyers, and, and you know, not every you know Christian is supposed to be a pastor, and not every Christian is supposed to be a monk. You know, that that we're to have vocation and we're to have influence. In, in many different ways that some of you are mechanics and some of you are teachers and some of you can work with computers. That's not me. Like, that's not what I can do. You know, you know, I am a carpenter. That, that is something that I can do. You know, many of us have various different talents and gifts and we have to, 
to realize that God is placing us in certain places to be an influence to those that are around us, to be a light into people's darkness. So as Nehemiah is in this place, you know, and he hears about what's happening in Jerusalem because they're, they're trying to get that city established and there was people, people that would raid into Jerusalem and steal things and then go back to where they came from. You know, so they were jealous of what was going on in Jerusalem. They were scared of what was going on in Jerusalem. So some of the mixtured tribes would attack Jerusalem. And Nehemiah heard about it, and he got enraged. You know, and the first thing that he did was seek God. You know, he prayed, and, and he went before God and said, God, you know, what should I do? You know, there's a lot of times that we complain about the church. There's a lot of things that we complain about ministry. We complain about the government. We complain about the school system. We complain about this. We complain about that. Maybe we should be praying about that. And maybe God is putting that thing in our heart to maybe worthy answer to that situation. Just saying. But anyway, Nehemiah sought the Lord and really felt... Like he was supposed to do something about this problem that was going on in Jerusalem. So he petitioned the king. And this is Artaxerxes. And he tells him what he feels that God is, is, is asking him to do. And once again, the Persian king pays for him and gives him like an armed brigade. And they truck along from Babylon to Jerusalem. You know, and this isn't like a short journey. You know, this is the same journey that we believe that the three wise men took. And by camel, it would have took a couple of years. You know, and, and to walk that, you know, across the desert. So, you know, here's another situation, as we talked about last week, that, you know, Cyrus paid for it, and Artaxerxes paid for, you know, these trips back into Jerusalem to rebuild this city. You know, and once again... You know, here's Artaxerxes giving, you know, Nehemiah a bunch of money and a bunch of people to, to defend the city and to rebuild it. You know, and in the Gospels, it, it talks about that he will have us dine at our enemies' tables. You know, and so often when we are seeking God and we think that the enemy's out to get us, the enemy does not have any power over us. And he will give us influence in places that we think that we should never have influence. Because God can do things far above and beyond what we think is possible. So here's Nehemiah trekking across the, the desert going into Jerusalem. You know, and when he gets there, he basically causes a fight. Because there's all these people that are taking advantage of what's going on in Jerusalem. And he's like, no more. We're not doing this. You know, so he sets up you know, this system that there's people that are guarding the city and people are, are building certain things, but it's moving real slow. And then he has this revelation that everybody should build the wall in front of their own house because you would be most motivated to protect what's yours. And all of a sudden, the, the wall gets built like instantly because they got real motivated to protect themselves. Now, I see another aspect of this. Because so often, as I'm trying to work on me, you know, all of a sudden I try to work on somebody else. And all of a sudden someone's trying to work on me. And then all of a sudden I'm trying to work on them. And all of a sudden they're trying to work on me. And nothing gets accomplished because we're not really working together. And I call this codependency. 
And to me, it's one of the biggest issues that I have faced and worked through in my life. Because when I peel back addiction and I peel back sexual addiction, I look at the relationships of my childhood and how they're all this big mess. And I have no idea how to have relationships with people. And people try to rescue me and I try to rescue them and I get pissed off at them and they get pissed off at me and then I'm a victim and da 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 and goes around and around. And I think that it's so important that when we get in Christ that we need to seek God and we need to work on our own foundation. It doesn't mean that we don't have people helping us. But so often I start working on me and then I want to fix somebody else. You know, and I've been in the meetings, and especially way back when, that I take everybody's inventory, and I know what everybody else should be doing, because I'm just trying to distract myself from working on my own house. And I think it's so important that when we get in Christ, that we should be spending a lot of time focused on getting our own stuff under underway, and, and not so much trying to fix everyone around us. However, I think that it's important that we have relationships and boundaries, and we should have people that we're talking to because not everybody knows how to build the wall in front of their own house. So we should have people that are helping us, you know, that there's architects and, and there's pastors and there's leaders and there's sponsors and there's all these different people that have spent some time walking down this road before us that we should be asking them how to build the wall in front of our own house, that we shouldn't be trying to rescue the next guy when we don't even have our own wall built yet. Make sense? You know, and I think that, it, that this lesson is if we would spend a little bit more time focused on what I need to be doing and, and really begin to, to grow in Christ, we would see things be accomplished a lot faster than if I'm scattered all over the place trying to help everybody else build their walls. But anyway, you know, Nehemiah has this vision. You know, and, and how to get this stuff accomplished. And he really starts to motivate the people, you know, and with his integrity and his courage, you know, he uses what God has established in him to really, you know, organize. You know, he's a government official. He knows how to handle certain situations. So he's, he's in there and he's motivating everybody, you know. And because they were still under attack, he would say, all right, you build the wall in front of your house from this time to this time, and I'll stand guard. And then you stand guard, and I'll build the wall in front of my own house. Rather than both of us working on the wall, and then they still come and attack us, that we also need brothers and sisters around us that are praying for us, that are watching out for us, that are watching what's going on in our blind spot, that we're willing to let speak into our life, that to guard us from what the enemy's trying to steal from us. So it's important that we do have people around us. This, this isn't this isolated walk with Christ, that we do need our brothers and sisters to help us to be moving forward. But here's Ezra and Nehemiah. You know, they were kind of doing their own thing, in a sense, the way that I, I take it, is that Ezra's trying to be the spiritual side of this equation, and Nehemiah's trying to be the, the practical application of how to build a wall. Well, they begin to work together, and they start to... To motivate the people that there's a spiritual side to vocation. There's a spiritual side to building the wall. There's a spiritual side of every person. And if we, we focus on the spiritual side, then maybe the healing that's starting to take place as they're building their relationship with, wall, or with God will help them build the wall. So they start 
to have this spiritual renewal. You start to really see this in, in chapter 8. You know, as things begin to shift, you know, and, and, and they start growing together as a community. Where before, you know, it's been years. They haven't really worked together. They haven't really sought God. They haven't really been trying to establish the temple and, and give the sacrifices and, and, and maintain the altar and, and do the rituals. But Ezra, you know, he's a scholar of the Torah. And he's starting to preach and teach. And he's letting everybody know what we're needed to do. And, you know, and they start hearing the word of God. And things begin to shift in them, you know. That all of a sudden, there's this repentance that comes over them. You know, and I think that this is such an important equation to our walk with the Lord. That as we're going through our motions of Christianity, that if we're not understanding that their confession is a big part of what we should be doing, then we get callous and we just start going through the motions of religion we're going to church, we're going to meetings, we're going to church, we're going to meetings, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, look at how much I'm behaving, and I, I'm doing good, and, and all of a sudden, oh, I'm reading my Bible, oh, I prayed today, and I'm just chugging along, and the presence of God just kind of drifts away, and God's like, you're doing great, but I'm not a part of what you're doing. Anybody done that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, and, and we, we get the church down, and we got the meetings done, and we're praying, and we're reading, and look at how I'm behaving, God. I'm doing great without you. And then all of a sudden, we hit that wall. And what happens when we hit the wall? We fall. We turn to something we shouldn't. We blame God. You know, none of us blame God. I'm the only one. But anyway, you know, it's God's fault that this is happening. I've been behaving myself really good. Like, Tom, you've never should have smoked crack. You don't get a reward that you're not smoking crack today. Like, Come on, God. <laughs> you know, but don't we remind God how much we've been behaving when things start going the way we don't think they should be going? Because our will be done in the name of Jesus, right? You know, so if there's not this presence of God, if there's not this getting in the Word, if there's not this seeking Him through worship, then you know, confession and repentance don't really come because it's the Holy Spirit that comes into our lives that says, I am this wretched sinner. And just because I'm saved doesn't mean I can't be a wretched sinner. You know, and we have to realize that, that repentance is a regular thing. That none of us woke up today, Jesus. None of us are going to bed today, Jesus. So that means everybody in this room, including me, has sinned today in thought, in word, and in deed. Because none of us are perfect. And if we're not talking to Jesus on a regular basis, we start to drift. Just a little. It's like, well, I'm not doing the things I used to do. And this is where judgment comes. Well, I'm not doing what they used to do. Or I'm not doing what they're doing. Because I make excuses for my sin. And I find somebody that's sinning more than me, in my opinion... And I, I put the focus on them that justifies that I can do what I'm doing now. Make sense? Yes. You know, so it's important that we're in our word. That, you know, our Bible is not a club, you know, that we don't beat people with it. Our Bible is a mirror, and we should be looking at the reflection of Christ. And when I look into that Bible, I see that I do not match Jesus. And that I should be saying, Jesus, forgive me. 
Jesus, help me to grow. Jesus, I want to change. But so often we read verses and be like, you know what? I think Eric needs that verse. You know what? Alex definitely needs to read this. So here, let me pass this on real quick. You know, Sean needs this verse. Purcell definitely needs this. You know, let me pass a little bit of Bible on to you because I know you want to be as spiritual as I am because I'm reading this morning. And we overlook what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in our lives because we're so quick to say, hot potato. (laughs) You know, and it's like conviction, not mine. I'm holy this morning. I've been reading and praying. You know, and it's so important that we're letting the Bible read us. You know, and get before God and say, I'm not matching this scripture right now. I know Eric might need this whole page chapter right now, but this is actually for me because I need this chapter right now. Right. You know, and it, maybe I, I talk to Eric about it later, but I need to receive this right now. You know, I, so often I'm trying to give it to Derek or I'm trying to give it to God or I'm trying to give it to Daniel and I'm not letting Jesus say, look, I'm trying to give you me. And I'm like, no, no, no. Back off, Jesus. I'm trying to pray. I'm trying to read right now. Come on, Holy Spirit. Back off. <laughs> you know, and it's like, we break out our defense. Like, not today, Satan. And it's like, Jesus is like, yo, bro, what are you doing? We need to get in the practice of saying, Jesus, I need more of you. I do not have this figured out. I need to grow. I need to change. There's areas of my life that need to be transformed. There's areas of my life that need to be renewed. There's areas of my life that need to be broken off because I don't know how to let go of it. You know, I still have secret sins. I still have secret motives. I still have things in my brain that I'm not proud of. You know, that I need to be coming before Jesus on a regular basis. And then I also need to talk to people that are in my accountability and says, this is the area of my wall that I can't seem to build because the enemy keeps stealing this stuff. So will you stand guard and pray with me? But I need to work on this. But I also need my brothers and my sisters to guard my back and show me my blind spots. Because sometimes I am reading it and it is for somebody else. But I have to be so quick to say, God, change me first. And so often we're like, no, change them first. And meanwhile, we're not allowing the the Bible to read us as well as maybe we should be. You know, and repentance is this big thing that we skip over sometimes because we did our sinner's prayer already. I prayed that. You know, I'm good. All my sins are forgiven. I already asked the Father, forgive me and fill me. I'm good to go. I can't do that. Why? I was a lunatic when I ran the streets. I sinned every day. Like church an hour in a week or an hour on a Sunday is not enough for this crazy person to figure out Jesus. Just like one meeting a week isn't enough. You know, I need to be going to meetings regularly. I need to be in, you know, my Bible regularly. I need to be in, you know, in the presence of God regularly. I need to be around fellow like-minded believers regularly. It doesn't mean that I, I push everybody aside because it's, that's impossible. And that's where Christians get this gated community aspect that all those people are sinners and we're holy. Like, no, I'm just as jacked up as most of the people out there. And I know the truth, which makes me worse. Right? If I know the truth and I have a Savior and I have the solution, but yet I'm doing the same thing everybody else is, woe is me. 
And yet I have the solution and I don't pick it up. And I have this relationship with Jesus, but I don't want to talk to him because he's going to talk to me about stuff I don't want him to talk to me about because I want to keep doing what I'm doing. Confession and repentance is such a huge blessing that we have that we can get recalibrated at any second and saying, God, I need you. God, I need you. Jesus, help me. I'm struggling right now. I'm weak right now. I don't know how to let go of this. We'll go talk to your brother. No, no, no. I don't want to do that. (laughs) I don't want them to help me build my wall because then my wall might be built and then I can't let the enemy steal that. And I like the enemy coming over and hanging out every once in a while because she's cute. I mean, (laughs) you follow me? And everybody has an area in their wall that needs a little bit of help building that thing. You know, some of us, you know, have struggled with addictions in many different forms. You know, and I have victory over this, but I don't have victory over that. You know, Alex, it's your job to stand guard in the refrigerator later when we get home. You're building my wall. You know what I mean? But then I have to put Eric at the Chinese food place and Andrew at the the pizza place. Because that's the area of my wall that the enemy keeps handing me food. I'm like, thanks, it's nice. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I I've been standing up here talking about this for a long time my food issue a long time and I get victory and then I don't and then I get victory and then I slip and I get victory and then I slip and I go to the gym and then I don't you know I lose a bunch of weight and then I gain it right back you know there's an area in my life that recently in the past six months or so I, I kind of finally found the little window where the enemy's been walking through and it's my anxiety that I'm going well and things are going great and I'm losing weight and I'm going to the gym and then something happens and my anxiety spikes and my solution to turn that down just a little bit is food. And then it's no different than a drug relapse for me is all of a sudden now I'm eating a little bit more and I'm eating a little bit more and then, well, it's not that big of a deal. You know, I'll just go to the gym twice tomorrow. And and I I do the same stuff that I would do if I was using drugs and alcohol, but now it comes in food form. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Well, I'm pretty sure that the Bible talks about gluttony way more than it does drugs. Oh, like a thousand percent more. But anyway, drugs are worse than food, right? Well, you know, there's this, my stomach is my God, according to the New Testament. Oops, Jesus. I need to to get before him. I need to get in accountability. And I need to do what I need to do to, to work on these areas. You know, and that's why I say, like, I'm no different. I still have stuff to work on. Every one of us in this room has stuff to work on. And we need Jesus, and we need accountability, and we need people to stand by the wall. And we need people to say, come on, Tom, you can do that. Come on. Let's not keep falling into the same cycles again. You know, but it's up to each and every one of us. If I'm not confessing, and if I'm not asking for help, and if I'm not repenting and asking Jesus into the situation, then I just keep coasting, and it's like, well, I'm not smoking crack anymore, so what's the big deal with Chinese food? But if Jesus has told me, stop eating Chinese food, then it's a big deal to Jesus. Well, well, what if I, um, I don't get an extra large cup of a coffee at Dunkin' Donuts and put 10 sugars in it. I'll get a large one and put like five splendors in it. Deal? <laughs> <laughs> and we manipulate things 
and we'd shift it just a little bit so it's like, well, Jesus didn't say nothing about splendor. Or a large instead of an extra large. So I must be good. All right, well, I'll just leave coffee alone and drink Red Bull every day. Jesus hasn't said nothing about Red Bull. It's not a golden calf, I swear. It's a red one. Totally different. You know, and... I'm going to keep doing what I'm going to keep doing as long as I want to keep doing it, right? And that the, the message of recovery, until I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And each one of us has to decide that area that I'm sick and tired of and say, you know what? It's time to build this wall. And I'm the only one, technically, that can build this wall in front of me because I'm the one that tears the dang thing down. <laughs> You know, I can have all the accountability and all the prayer partners I can muster up. But if I want to take a brick out of the wall, I'm going to take the brick out of the wall myself. And it's so important that we say enough's enough. You know, but until we get so tired of certain areas, you know, most of us in here are tired of the drugs and alcohol thing or we wouldn't be sitting here. You know, most of us in here are working on purity issues in many different forms. Many, you know, there's various different things that we're working on. But... There's this flood. The enemy comes in and like, okay, I'm not giving these things because I can't, but I'm going to hand you something else. You know, and this is where we have to recognize the enemy's coming in, trying to kill, rob, and destroy, cunning, baffling, and powerful, that we get the same whispers, even though it's not drugs and alcohol anymore or picking up the wrong people anymore. He comes in different ways, and it's like, so what if you ate 17 times a day? It's not a real big deal if you had another cookie. <laughs> like you're right and we have that same mindset that if I've already opened the door and I've already you know if I smoked a joint then what's the big deal if I drink a beer and if I drink a beer then why don't I just smoke this or sniff that right once we gravitate across the line then everything's free game and we have to recognize that the enemy may not come the same way he used to he may be coming in a different way and we're still allowing him to, to, to steal from us in areas that God wants to set us free from because we classify it as a less sin than the ones we used to participate in. So it's up to each and every one of us that we come before God and say, God, I'm ready. You know, I'm entirely ready for God to remove these character defects, right? I humbly ask him to remove my shortcomings because I've already turned my will over and I honestly know all the junk that's in there. And I say, all right, I got a bunch of junk. Just because I got sober or got saved doesn't mean I'm fixed. At least now I have a solution where before I had no choice. I did all those crazy things because I had no solution. I had no choice. Recovery and Jesus give us the choice today to keep operating in areas of dysfunction or come before him and say, enough's enough. It's time. It's time to build this wall. You know, and God is faithful. You know, as this repentance is going on, they begin to have this celebration. And, you know, it's the Feast of Tabernacles. You know, and they start remembering all that God had done. How God delivered them out of the Exodus. How God's delivered us out of our addiction. God provided for them in the wilderness when they had nothing. When we were poor. In early recovery, when we've been poor in various stages of our lives and we couldn't get a job and 
Our, our records wouldn't let us get certain jobs. And God somehow provided for us and, and made a way when our history says that those ways shouldn't be made. That our reputation follows us for so part. But Jesus wipes that slate clean and says, you know what, I've got something new for you. Where our brain says this isn't possible and Jesus says, I can make a way. Just trust me. You know, and they start celebrating all the things that God had done for them and how he'd been providing for them and how he'd delivered them in, in miraculous ways. Most of us in here should be dead. That's true. Most of us in here should be dead. Through the things that we used to do, we should be dead. And yet here we are. Most of us should be in prison for a long time if we got caught for all the, cr- the crime that we've committed. Yet God's mercy reached into our situation in spite of us and said, come here, I got something for you. And delivered us out of jail cells and delivered us out of our addiction and delivered us out of the darkest, suicidal, broken, depressed, anxiety places. And he put us on solid ground and says, I got something for you. I have a better plan for you, trust me. We have to remember where we came from. You know, and for me, this is why I still go to AA. You know, and the Christian community sometimes looks down on that, and I don't care what they think. The day after I got licensed as a pastor, I sat at that dude meeting at 700 Club because I needed to remember where I came from. Because I walked in that meeting when I came to Utica, a very broken man, an atheist, and angry, and depressed, and suicidal. And Jesus has delivered me. The day one of my best friends went to prison, I sat in that meeting to remind myself that I could go there too. If it's not for God's grace and a spiritual conditioning and a daily reprieve that I could too be in prison. The day that my friend died, I sat in that meeting because I too could OD at any given state that if I stopped chasing Jesus as much as I chased my addiction, I too could be in one of those places. And AA keeps that real for me. That I am not completely free. Yes, Jesus has set my mind free. Yes, Jesus has set my life free. Yes, Jesus has given me a life beyond my wildest imagination. But if I take that for granted one second, I know where I could be. Because I make some stupid decisions and an impulse. And I don't want to be that man anymore. I also believe that that recovery is a community of people that need spirituality. And that I have a solution. I didn't always have this solution. That people need to hear about my experience, strength, and hope. People need to see how we have changed in our families, in our workplaces, in recovery, and in wherever we go. Some of us don't go to meetings, and that's okay. But are we being a light into people's darknesses? Or are we being influenced by their darkness and we bob and weave when we want? And see, when we come before God with repentance, he changes the game because it's not about the rules. We have this circumcision in our heart that things begin to change inside. It's not because I know I'm supposed to because the Bible tells me so. It's not because Pastor Mike said so. It's not because Tom said so. It's because the Holy Spirit is saying, I've already changed you on the inside. You don't want to touch that dirty thing. 
And when I touch it, I feel disgusting. Where before, when I touch it, I, I engulfed it. You know, it, it's funny. When you look at, when you study certain things, that sheep hate mud. Well, pigs will roll in it and live in it, in the filth. And the illustration that as a sheep, I should not want dirty things. But as a pig, I will roll in the most disgusting of places. And that's why we are sheep in the Bible and that pigs should not be touched. And there's times that I'm still a pig. But I should be a sheep. And you know what? It's okay because I'm not perfect and none of us in here are. But yet I shouldn't be making excuses of why my, my white sheep coat is covered in mud. I should be coming before Jesus and saying, Jesus, I need you. You are my good shepherd and I need you to, to guide me out of this because I can't do it. I can't do it on my own strength. I tried, I tried, I tried. My will fails me every single time. I need you to circumcise my heart again and again and again. I need you to renew my mind again and again and again. I need to grow my relationships again and again and again. And that's what we see in this is they renewed their faith and their covenant with God. Because that's exactly what they did. Is God delivered them out of the exodus and God delivered them out of the wilderness. And, and David established Jerusalem. They went back to worship idols. No different than we do. The same problem that they've been facing for thousands of years is the same problem that every one of us in this room has and it's a sin nature and our heart is an idol maker and we want anything to make us feel better apart from Jesus because he wants to take us on the difficult road that we think. We always think that he's trying to take us the long route and we're the ones that go on the long route. How many years did they wander in the wilderness? 40, an 11-day trip because they were doing it their way because they knew what was best. And what was God doing in that 40-day journey? Breaking off Egypt. Breaking off idol worship. Breaking off complaining. Building faith. Building a relationship. Building trust. Isn't that the same stuff he's doing with us right now? The same exact stuff. And this is why the Bible is so important that we're reading it. Because the same stuff that they were doing is the same stuff we do. It isn't, isn't any different. The heart of man... Is the same, and so is God. And apart from Jesus, we fall flat on our face and run the opposite direction every single time. It's so important that we get before him and we make a covenant, a covenant, a commitment, and say, Jesus, I'm ready to do this. And we find people to help stand guard as we build the wall in front of our own house. And we trust that he's got a better way to build our life than we have ever thought of. Because I don't know about you, but every time I do it my way, destruction comes. I'm 100% convinced that everything I touch will fall apart if I do it my way. And when I follow Jesus, he has a way to build things that baffle me. Because I'm a crackhead that goes in and out of jail apart from Jesus. And with Jesus, he seems to do cool stuff. It's not me, but it is him in me, but I have to be obedient. And each and every one of us has to make these choices. And I have to remake this choice every single day. I have to turn my will over. So I just encourage you 
Talk to Jesus about where you're at right now. Every one of us needs him in some area or a lot of areas. There is not one of us in here that doesn't need Jesus to move radically in some area of our lives. There isn't some area of our lives that we're not making excuses of right now that Jesus has already said, can I get that? Like, I'm not answering the door, Jesus. You're not welcome into this room because I like the enemy when he comes over. And we hate to say that. We would not say that on a Sunday morning. Praise the Lord. But yet what we do Sunday afternoon and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in the secrecy of our bedrooms or the secrecy of our houses or the secrecy of wherever we are doesn't always match up our praise. And we need to allow Jesus into those areas and say, you know what, I can't, I can't do this on my own as much as I try to, to do it on my own. That my pride needs to get out of the way. Would you just bow your heads with me? Lord, I just thank you so much that you're faithful to us, Lord, even when we, we wander. Because we're, we're wanderers at heart, Lord. I pray that you would move in each one of our lives right now, Lord. I pray that this message would, would plant a seed that each one of us... Uh, goes home tonight and says, Jesus, I need you. Even on the drive home tonight, we would silently say, Jesus, I need you. That we would have a conversation with you and say, Jesus, I need you. I'm not done growing yet, Jesus. You're not done with me in these areas, Jesus. You don't give up on me. Your mercy is new every morning and your grace is sufficient to help me grow because you love me more than I could ever know. Lord, help me to, to love you back. Help me to love myself because I'm destroying myself in some of these areas. I'm not trusting you in some of these areas. I'm scared in some of these areas. Help us to get honest with ourselves before the Lord. And help us to know that you are so close. Your love for us is more real than the air that we breathe. That you never give up on us. So Lord, I just pray right now that no one goes home ashamed. No one goes home condemned. Everyone goes home with hope. That everyone knows that you are faithful to us. All we have to do is ask you into these places. And Lord, give us wisdom to ask the right people in to guard us as we're trying to build the, the, the wall in front of our own house. Help us to find accountability. Help us to find prayer warriors. Help us to find brothers and sisters that help us to build what God wants to do in our lives. Lord, none of us are done growing. That every one of us is in our process of sanctification. So Lord, help us to come before you as broken men and women and saying, Jesus, I need you again. Jesus, I love you and I'm sorry. Forgive me and guide me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.